0: Road to Life, we love you. We're so glad to be back together on our podcast. We're here with Pastor Mike Shepline, and we're gonna hear the message from Sunday where you can be inspired through the word of God and maybe even a funny story. For more information, visit roadtolifechurch.com and we'll see you next week. We have been in a series or we just kind of launched into it excuse me, last week. And the title of it, it was Valley of Blessing. Everybody say Valley of Blessing. Blessing. And when you use the term Valley of Blessing, and we laid the foundation last week, is that life we see not only in the Bible, but you see people refer to it today, is we have two different types of experiences or extremes, what we'll call in life. We have mountaintop experiences. How many of you love the mountaintop? Oh, we could just stay here, camp here. How many of you know? But then we also have what is classified, or we use the term, oh, I'm in a valley. Oh, I'm facing some valley kind of stuff right now. And really what it all boils, If we could break it all down, is all of us have aspirations for our life. We have a desired, um, if we could say it like that, a preferred destination or an outcome, and that that some of those aspirations I've noticed that they change over time. And you know, like let me give you a great example. I wanted to be a pro-football player. How many of you believe that my age has clocked me out? How many of you know what I'm saying? It's, and so it's like, okay, that was an aspiration, and don't laugh at me. I mean, here's a great one. When Jill and I got married, we had agreed we were going to have seven children. How many of you are with me on that? We said we're going to have seven children. We had four, and we looked at each other and said, we're out. How many of you know what I'm saying? We were like, okay, we've 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 reached that. And so some aspirations, they, they change over time. And um, sometimes things take longer than we thought. Typically, you have to plan and take practical steps in your life. You know, if you have children, you probably have aspirations for them. And hopefully those aspirations, number one, is a relationship with the Lord. But number two is whatever they're created and called to do that they follow. Find that spot, and they do it with principle and purpose in um, in their life. And and you, when you think about it, is just if is you have aspirations, if you have children for them, and you have aspirations for yourself. Do you know that God has aspirations for us, His children? And we started talking about that last week. We started talking about something that we called the Valley of Blessing, and that life is about mountaintop experience. Experiences their highs, their lifters, their exhilarating. But it's also about valley experiences, and both are important in our development and growing. Not only as Christians, but as people, God wants our faith to stay the same, whether it is a mountaintop experience or it is a valley experience. There is one standard norm in our life, and that is faith. God God created us, and we see this in the Bible, we talked about it last week, to experience both. They have a developmental process purpose in our lives. And we found that out last week. God wants us to know him as faithful and the same, no matter what our, what is going on in our life, whether we're on a mountaintop or we're in a valley, God wants a steady norm that we anchor our life on him and the principles of his word. And this is what living in God's best is all about. And if we think about it naturally down here, is everything down here, when you talk about mountains and valleys, has them. Relationships have mountains and valleys. Can we all agree with that? Relationships have mountains and valleys. If you think about it, endeavors, they have mountains and valleys. How many of you were going to start something, and you were like, oh my gosh, this is going to be insane, and you were pumped, only to find out a few miles down the tracks, you got your head knocked where your feet used to be, and you had to say, okay, I'm just going to, I got to reevaluate, and I need to assess in this particular thing. Dreams in our life, dreams have mountaintop Valley experience. Everything worthwhile, realize this, has a mountaintop experience and it has valley experiences. So if you're here today and you are on a mountaintop experience, we're excited and we're celebrating with you. Okay, but if you're here and you are in a valley, let me tell you, we're excited because God is with you and he's gonna use it for your certain good. You're gonna grow. It has a redemptive purpose. We see this cover to cover in the Bible that God wants our faith to have endurance and staying power when our circumstances change, when circumstances. He wants us to know him as a loving faithful, trustworthy, navigating Father that is leading our lives no matter what has happened, no matter what is happening, and no matter what season we're in, and live by our trust in Him. God, I'm going to live by my trust in You. You know, in Psalms 91, I'm going to just read it. Psalms 91 is one of those foundational scriptures, kind of like Psalms 23, but it says this, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. How many of, That's a pretty cool verse. How many of you know what I'm saying? Um, but as you keep reading, look at what it says. "This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety, He is my God, and I trust Him." I like that. Now look at what verse 3 says. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from every deadly disease. That's a valley. Can we all agree on that? It starts off and he's like, oh my gosh, God, you are this, you are this, you are, oh yeah, I am there with you. And then he shifts gears and he says, but I equally recognize that God is my rescuer from every trap. And he's going to protect me from every deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and your protection. Verse 5. Do not be afraid of the terrors of night nor of the arrow that flies in the day. Valley again. How many of you know what I'm saying? Verse six, do not dread the disease that stalks in the darkness nor the disaster that strikes at midday. I like the apostle Paul said it like this. Paul said that at a certain time in his life, he said, everybody forsook me. Nobody stood with me, but the Lord stood with me. Let me tell you, if we're aware that God is standing with us, we can go through anything. But if when we go into a valley, we think God has forsaken us, it prolongs it and it makes it harder in our life. That God is a God of the hills. He's a God of the valley. And so last week we laid a foundation. um, in an upside-down world, and the only it, the only one that is stable is God. God wants us to get our trust and our confidence about our future from something more stable than this natural world that we live in. In John sixteen verse thirty-three, Jesus said, "I have told you all so that all this so that you may have perfect peace in me. Here on the earth, you're going to have many trials and sorrows." But take heart because I have overcome the world. One of the greatest goals in our life is to know Him and to believe in Him and His goodness when we go through valley experiences or valley seasons in our life. It should be a huge goal that God, I'm going to tune in and I'm going to know You. You know, there's a story in the Bible in 1 Kings chapter 20. And we're going to spend most of our time there today. But in 1 Kings chapter 20, what you find out is that the enemy of Israel makes this declaration and an assumption over the Israelites. If you study the king of Israel at this time, is he is an incredibly wicked king by the name of King Ahab. But when the enemy makes an assumption about God, God pretty much responds to that assumption. And his assumption was that God is a God of the mountains, but he's not a God of the plains or the valleys. And when God heard that, God responded by delivering his people and even this particular wicked king. As you read the story, you see God take it personally and show up on the situation. I want to tell you this, that when we're in a valley, God wants us to take it, that he takes it personally. He knows where we're at. He knows what's going on, and he's going to show himself just as faithful as when we were on top of a mountain. And I want to read in 1 Kings chapter 20. We're going to start reading in verse 23. Verse 23. They'll put it up on the screen. It says, then the servants of the king of Syria, if you, uh, if you have a paper, paper Bible or you can highlight in your electronic Bible, underline Syria because we're going to come back and define it. Said to him, their gods are the gods of the hills. Therefore, they were stronger than we were. They got beat just before this. But if we fight against them in the plain, surely we will be stronger than they. So, so, so do this. So do this thing. Dismiss the kings, each from his position, and put captains in their places. And you should. And you shall. Mu- you shall muster. An army like the army that you have lost, horse for horse, chariot for chariot. Then we will fight against them in the plain. Surely we will be stronger than they. And he listened to the voice and did so. Now I want you to back up for a moment. Is what had happened is, is the Syrians had just lost to Israel. They had fled. They had an insurmountable army, but they had fled. And so now they get counsel, and in the counsel, this guy stands up, and what he basically says is, God is a God of the hills, but he's not a God of the valleys. How many times do we as Christians have faith in God when we're on a hill, but when we go into a valley, we lose our faith? And what God basically says right here, and what we're going to see is, I am a God not only of the hills, the highest mountain, but I am a God. of the lowest valley. I am there no matter what is going on in your life. And so this king, what he does is he's got, I think it's 32 other nations armies with him, with their kings. He dismisses all of their kings, but keeps their men and says, I'm going to put my commanders over you and you're going to go into battle. Verse 26. So it was in the spring of the year that Ben-Hadad mustered the Syrians. Everybody say Syrians. And they went up to Afik to fight against Israel. And the children of Israel were mustered and given provisions. And they went against them. Now the children of Israel encamped before them like two flocks of goats while the Syrians filled the countrysides. Another word for this, they were hugely outnumbered, and it looked like they were going to get their butt kicked. How many of you know what I'm saying? It is just like, now look at what it says. Verse 28. Then a man of God came and spoke to the king of Israel. He said, Thus says the Lord. Because the Syrians have said, the Lord God is a God of the hills, but he is not a God of the valleys, therefore I will deliver all this great multitude into your hand, and you shall know that I am the Lord. What I want you to notice is this. God said, because he said that I am not a God of the valley, I'm showing up for this one. How many of you know what I'm saying? God is like, I mean, I would have liked to get my name to be in there. God said, Well, Mike, because you're in this battle, I'm showing up. He did not what he said. He said, because they said that God is not a God of the valleys, God said, I'm gonna show them that I am not only a God of the mountains, but I am a God of the lowest valley. I am, it doesn't matter where you at where you're at. And they encamped opposite each other for seven days. So it was, and on the seventh day the battle was joined, and the children of Israel killed one hundred thousand foot soldiers of the Syrians in one day, but the rest of the rest fled to Aphek, into the city, and a wall fell on them, twenty-seven thousand of them. <laughs> 20, it killed 27,000 of them. And Ben-Hadad fled and went into a city into an inner chamber. What I want you to notice is this. Is what stirred God is what he said is they only think that I am a God the mountains. I wonder today in our lives, how many of us can praise God as much when we're on the top of a mountain or in a valley because he is the God of both. He is not the God of just one. He is the God of the spectrum. And he showed up in this particular situation. He's there when life is great, but when it gets tough, challenging, or difficult, realize this, and we think I'm going to." have to do it myself. God said, no, the only thing that has changed is your circumstances. And I am still God. I believe spiritually and in our walk with God, that this is one of life's biggest battles and challenges for God in our life. Because we live in this natural world where it is seeing is believing. And then we come into a relationship with God and God is like, excuse me, but in my kingdom, believe is seeing. In your kingdom and where you live, seeing is believing. We have a culture war that is going on right now. And what I want to do is I want to begin to lead you and bring freedom into your life, that no matter what is going on around you, whether you're on the top of a hill or you're in a valley or you're somewhere in between, that your faith isn't changing based on the circumstances and the situations that that you're in. Let me just contemporize this statement. When you, when he said, God is a God of the hills, contemporize it for us. God is big and strong and secure that, and when I'm comfortable, when I can predict it, when I understand it, when everything makes sense, but and when it's a mountaintop experience, but it's, when it turns and it's difficult and it's hard, God, I'm questioning. I'm wondering. God is saying, I need you, and I want to help you to get your faith where it is the same. That when life is going like this, you're able to trust me and know that I'm working in your life. No, You know, when you look up this word, affic, because remember it says that they camp seven days at affic. Affic means to restrain oneself, to refrain, to compel oneself. In the valley of experiences, we've got to refrain, restrain, and compel. When we're, we're in a holding pattern. How many of you wish that as quick and as soon as you pray, God showed up? You know, he, let me just throw a little word on that and kick butt. How many of you know what I'm saying? It's, we're like, okay, God, you've showed up, but I'm wanting. How many of you know what I'm saying? God, you, you've you showed up. But what I want you to notice is in that waiting place and in that spot, God says you need to restrain yourself. You, you're, okay, it's seven days. You need to restrain yourself. You've got to refrain yourself. And you've got to compel yourself to do the right thing while you're waiting. You've got to, you've got to stop and say, okay, I'm going to, I need to stop. I need to restrain myself. How many of you know, when we're in a valley, we got to put the, we got to put some bumpers on. You know what I'm saying? We got to restrain ourselves. Don't just say everything you think. Okay. Don't, don't get on the phone with the people you know that are just going to discourage you. How many of you know what I'm saying? You don't go drink a case of Miller low life. How many of you know what I'm saying? Don't, don't, you just have to stop and say, I, what I need to do right now is I need to restrain myself. I need to refrain myself because I realize what's going on and I'm going to compel myself to trust God. I'm going to compel myself. That's what the word afik means. If you look up the word Syrian, the root word means to be elevated or in elevated place. Do you realize that when we go through a valley, Satan's goal is to elevate our valley experience to where that's how we see life. We think my life is just going to be like this. This is just the rest of my life. Oh, I'm just going to have to go. This is the rest. what the rest of my life is going to do. And his, Satan's goal is to elevate our valley experience to where now we're viewing life through that. Rather than the faithfulness, the goodness, and the promises of God. See, the battle is to keep our head and our heart in the right spot when we go through a valley. We've got to keep our head and our heart in the right spot in valley seasons. You know, there's a scripture, it's a, a passage, and I've heard different people teach on it and stuff. But I think it's misunderstood by a lot of believers. But it's in 2 Corinthians 10, chapter, th- chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. It says, for though we walk in the flesh as mortal men or mortal people, We are not carrying on our spiritual warfare according to the flesh and using the weapons of man or natural world. The weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood. Our weapons are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Now look at he defines what we're destroying. We are destroying sophisticated arguments, And every exalted and proud thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought and purpose captive to the obedience of Christ. The battle in a valley is our thoughts. The the battle in the valley is the natural stuff that we're looking at. That's saying something to our thoughts. And God said, you've got to take that captive and make it obedient or lay it next to what I have promised in my word. You must lay it next to it. See, a stronghold is a human reasoning that contradicts what God has said or promised for my life. It's a human reasoning, and it's just like, oh, this this is just what this is. I want to, if I could, four takeaways that must stick from this story. Number one is this, is God is the same on the mountains as he is in the valleys. I'm the only one that's changed. He's the same. God is the same. He hasn't changed, and he's trying to get us to realize that. He really wants me to know him that way That God, when all the feelings were there and everybody was kissing me on the cheek and everybody was hugging me and everybody was loving on me and all the customers were happy and everything was great, God said, I was just as much there as I am here. And the only difference is the outside circumstances have changed. Just because our situation has changed, God is the same. He is the same. Sometimes when we go through difficult valley experiences, we question and we say, God, did I make you mad? Did I do something wrong? Now, let me just say this. If you did do something wrong and you did do something stupid, repent and get it right. Are you with me? Because sometimes we can do stuff that contribute to where we're at. But if we didn't, don't let a test or a valley redefine the faithfulness and the goodness of God. Where we just stop and say, God, I know you've got me. And this is hard on us because we usually view valleys as wrong versus part of life. Valleys are part of life. Okay, look, I need you all, I'm going to ask you to do something. Okay, I want you to just nudge the person if you're close or look down the aisle, look at somebody and just say this, valleys are part of life. Okay, some of you didn't do it. I'm going to do it again until you do it. Okay, look, you say, why are you doing this? Because we treat valleys like they're unfair. This isn't fair. This isn't right. I shouldn't have to go through this. Read your Bible. Okay, look at your life. We live in a fallen world. You say, why are valleys part of life? Because we live in a messed up world. You can be driving down the road in your brand new car and someone can decide to plow in to the side of you. And you stop and you say, what happened? You know what? God is good. Something stupid, just unless you ran a stop sign. How many of you know what I'm saying? And we've got to just stop and just settle. You know what, God? I realize that um, that valleys are not wrong. They're part of life we've got to just get that out of our brain. Now if we're in a valley because of something that we've done, we need to learn from it, modify so we don't live in it. How many of you are with me on that? But we need to stop and quit saying, you know, this is, you know, this is this isn't fair, this isn't right. Maybe it isn't, but I want to tell you this, God's with you in it and if you read his word what you'll see is if it is unjust, he will give you double for your trouble. He's really good, but we got to keep our attitude right. Are you with me? We've got to shift the thinking that, you know, well, I'm just going to respond down when I'm in a valley experience. How about just saying, you know what, I'm going to respond that God's got me that he loves me, and I'm going to work on not worrying. I'm going to work on not being anxious. I'm going to work on not biting people's heads off. How many of you know what I'm saying? I'm going to work on living by faith, trusting God, even though the circumstance, even though this person now, uh, God, I'm just going to trust you. Number two is this, is God is always leading when I'm in a valley. He's always leading. We found last week, That he created us to know him in both experiences. You know, you say, what do you mean by he's always leading? He's always leading either through his word... If you study his word, he's giving direction in regard to it. Maybe he'll stir a person to tell you, to to go into a direction that is him. Maybe he'll personally lead you. His blessing and his favor are still there, even though the landscaping has changed. He is still there. He is absolutely still there. God wants us to know him as more than a sugar daddy. Are you with me? He wants us to know him as more than a Disneyland dad. He wants us to know him as a God that, you know what? This is the way life is, and I've got you, and I'm with you. I've got to learn how to tune in when other things are screaming in my ears, where I can stop. how do I tune in when I'm, okay, I'm in a valley experience. Okay, I'm going through. God's going to turn this valley to a blessing, but what do I do that tunes me in to him? Number three is this, is living in God's best will always require faith, and have challenging times. It'll always require faith, and have challenging times. And I've got to be willing. I've got to just stop and say, you know, I'm living in God's best. That means that you're going to have some challenging times. That means you're going to have to live by faith. That means you're not going to have all the answers. That's what that means. Other times, you know, we just got to just keep on. We just have to say, you know what? I'm just going to keep on. What do you mean keep on? I'm going to keep on doing the right thing. I'm going to just keep my heart right, and I'm going to keep doing the right thing. You know, I think in our lives sometimes that there are times that we look and it's like, wow, I feel like that this battle is insurmountable. In other words, I don't. I, I want to tell you, God wants to show himself. Do you remember this battle that was going on here? It said that they were like two small little um, herds of sheep And the whole countryside was filled with 32 other nations. That's what it said. And it was insurmountable. It was insurmountable. True faith always has corresponding action. God, what do you want me to do right now? What do you want me to do? I'm not saying some big, long thing. Sometimes, you know, you're in a valley, and God will just say this. God, I just want you to put on some good worship or some good music, and I just want you to just worship me, maybe dance. You say, I can't dance. Then we know it's God. How many of you know what I'm saying? (laughs) I can't dance. My wife dances. She's got a disco beat when she dances. You know, But what it is, is it's like God is saying, okay, Lord, I'm in a valley. What are you stirring me to do right now? I'm gonna apply myself and I'm gonna do that. Number four, and this is the last one. There's almost always a stand time where it looks like nothing has changed. We don't like that, do we? It's like, okay, Lord, I did it 10 minutes ago. What is going on? Do your part. I did my part. God is like, I need you to just trust me. I need you to be willing to stand forever, but trusting that I am faithful. I need you to, to have a heart that says, God, I realize this is when we steer our thoughts and guard what we let our heart think on. We steer our thoughts. Could you imagine seven days out here? They're surrounded it says they look like two small little flocks of sheep and everything is around them. They had to stop and steer their thoughts and guard what they let get in their heart. This is a story I think when you think about it is took seven days. It was seven days from when they mounted up and when they got ready. My question to you today is this. What about your situation? Is it a day, a week, a month, or like Joseph in the Bible, 21 years, and then it happened? What is your, God is saying, I need you to know me as the God of the hills, and I am the God of the valleys. I don't change. Life, as you go through life, has developmental purposes in the places you go through, but they're always pointed toward Him. They're always pointed toward Him. I want us to stand to our feet, if you would. Say this with me. Can I lead you in a scripture? You know, the Apostle Paul was in prison. It and you know, the prisons back then were not like the prisons of today. How many of you know what I'm saying? They were, they were not the prisons. You know, when I was in Uganda, um, the prisons there that your family or loved ones have to show up to feed you or you will starve to death. How many of you know you better have some friends before you go in jail? And, but Paul Paul said this, he said, I can do all things through Christ who infuses me with inner strength. And I wonder today how many of us right now, God is saying to you, you can do all things through Christ who's infusing you with inner strength. We get focused on the outside. God says, I want you right now to realize that I'm good that I'm faithful, and that I will give you the strength of whatever you need to not only go through this, but to grow through this. And so it will serve a redemptive purpose in your future. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. You're here today, and you say, you know, Pastor, I know today right now, I got some valley stuff going on. I got some valley stuff going on in my life. And I need to just tune in. I need to be sensitive. And right now, I just need shelter, maybe from the storm or from the situation. I want to pray for you right where you're at. That's you. Lift your hand to the Lord. Just lift it up. Thank you, God. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy in our life. And Lord, I thank you for my brothers and for my sisters. That Lord, maybe right now it's a valley experience, but that God, you're faithful and you're good. Lord, I pray refreshing over their life. Lord, I pray for a sweet spot in you, a quiet place in you. I pray that you water their soul, that you fill them up. Lord, I pray that you give them the courage to shut the door to certain thoughts but to open the door to your thoughts. God, I thank you for your grace that makes a way. And for Lord, maybe if they're here and it's a valley experience because they did something that caused it, that you are the God of grace and mercy and faithfulness. And that Lord, you lift us out. And Lord, I pray right now, just a a tuning in of our heart to we serve a loving Father who deeply cares about our life, but He wants us to know Him as not just the God when everything's going great, but He wants us to know Him as the God that when we're going through a valley, when the chips are down, when we don't understand, that we can rest and trust in Him. Lord, I lift up every person here, and I pray that you strengthen them, I pray that you encourage them. And Lord, I thank you for your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.